Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Wi-Fi Tribe podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Alexis and Diego who put their heads together um, to have a real deep in-depth discussion about how freelancers can take their remote businesses to the next level. So if that's you then this is absolutely um, an episode that is not going to waste your time, it's packed full of insight, really hope you enjoy it, get yourself a tasty beverage and a notebook and pen and Let's get into it. I will see you guys in the next one. Okay. Hey, everyone tuning in today. Um, So today's going to be a really interesting one. Well, first of all, it's the first time that I'm going to be hosting uh, this podcast. So I'm basically a guest host hosting a guest. I'm uh, Diego. I'm the uh, founder of Wi-Fi Tribe. And for those of you who don't know anything about Wi-Fi Tribe yet, we're a community of digital nomads or remote workers who um, travel the world together while we're working, spending a month at a time in different destinations around the world. So let's see. Um, Enough about me. I'm going to try to introduce to you guys as best I can Alexis, who's our guest today on the podcast. And um, yeah, just... Let me see if I can do her justice. Um, So basically, Alexis in a nutshell, I would say she is the most talented all-round marketer that I have ever met. And she's got this incredible mind for business. So super, super business savvy. Put that together and you can imagine you've got quite, um, yeah, quite an impressive set of tools to take on the world with. She was the head of content marketing for UK and Europe at Contiki. So that's uh, one of the really big travel companies that's been around for, oh, I, I don't know, maybe 50 years. And um, yeah, I guess the, the really interesting part about her story, though, for me is basically after Contiki, she started to become a freelancer. Uh, and there she was just, a, I guess, a generalist marketer. She was working on, on content, advertising, um, sort of really trying to help, help anyone with, uh, with anything that she could think of. Um, And then she realized over time that by niching down um, to become a a very specific marketing agency, helping clients with very specific things, um, she was able to gain a lot more success with it. So she finally decided to focus on course creators. And in her time, she's managed to make millions of dollars of sales um, for those course creators through her work. So putting all of that together with the the actual practical learnings that she's had building her businesses and helping other businesses grow, she's now turning that into a course that she wants to um, yeah, put out to the world and um, also an actual, uh, basically a business um, agency incubation retreat that we're going to be running t- together. So I'm super excited about that. Hey, Alexis. Um, I was going to say, maybe you could kick us off by just telling us a little bit about your freelance story. Yeah, some of the highs and and the lows. Hi. Wow. What an introduction. Um, I've got a lot to live up to. Um, Okay. So why not kick off with the highs, I guess, a little snapshot of where we are now with the agency. So I currently have a team of 35 contractors all across the globe, which I love, people in Tasmania and Nigeria and Russia, um, which is just amazing. The agency, I suppose you could say, is doing pretty well. We run at about 50% profitability, which um, 
I think when you like even good agencies out there, I think 10 to 20 percent is probably more normal. So we've we've sort of managed to nail the the profit side, which is great. But the thing that always catches uh, people's attention when they ask me about my business is the fact that it only takes me maybe 10 hours a week to run the business, um, to actually hands-on manage it. That always gets people very, very excited. So yeah, I think talking, if I was to sum up the highs, I guess I've I've built a business here which um, earns a nice amount of money, but really takes very little time to run, which I think is kind of the epitome of freedom. And I'm, I'm all about that really. Uh, and what does that really mean for me? Well, it means that I travel the world full time with Wi-Fi Tribe with you guys. Uh, in the last year, I have been to Colombia, Bali, Brazil, um, India. I'm now in Mexico recording this podcast whilst you're back in Germany. Um, So yeah, things are pretty good. Um, Obviously, the question that everyone asks me is how, and we're definitely going to dive into that a lot more in this podcast. But in short, the most crucial thing that we've done is we've documented every process in our business. So we've basically created something that can be very chaotic, which is agency, freelance life. It's pretty chaotic. Um, And we've turned it into a system. We've made processes for everything. So just like following a recipe, everything in my business can be followed step by step. And what that has meant is that I'm able to either automate or outsource almost everything. So I would say, roughly speaking, 40% of my business is automated. 40% of my business is outsourced. So all the service delivery is handled by the contractors I work with. And I really just need to manage the other 20%. Um, And that's just really taking care of clients, just dropping in, saying hi, making them feel very special. Kind of the fun stuff, really. So the lows. Um, Yeah, it definitely wasn't always like this. I would say we've been in a good place for, for, for two or three years. But when I first started freelancing six or seven years ago, things were pretty grim, to say the least. I was working 14-hour days, six days a week. I wasn't earning enough to pay the rent despite working all those hours. Um, I had nightmare clients. They were paying me absolutely nothing, but still calling me, emailing me every hour of the day. Um, and looking back, I, you know, I'm thinking about the things that, that got me there. And in short, it was because I had absolutely no clarity around what I was doing in that I was offering services to absolutely anyone who would pay me. Um, And I would do anything they asked of me. So what that meant is every single client I worked with was slightly different. Yes, I was doing marketing, but the unique needs of a business are going to be different in every industry. And so every client I brought on, it was a learning curve. I had to figure out how to apply my marketing skill to their business and their unique needs and problems and challenges to help them get to their goals. And I'm always in that painful um, learning stage. And that's the least profitable time for a business. Um, But it's also really a little bit unfair on, on the clients because it means that you're definitely not an expert. In anything. There's no way you can be an expert in accountants and Zumba teachers, which I was working with both at one point. Um, and if you're not an expert, it probably means that you're not delivering the kind of results that, that you would want to deliver and your clients certainly want you to deliver. And that meant um, 
we were in that feast of famine cycle where we had one client in and then two clients would leave. Um, my operations were a mess. Everything was just customized chaos for everyone. Um, and then to add to that, I didn't understand how to price myself. I think one of the big problems that freelancers have is they come out of a job where they've honed a craft and got really good at something. And they start freelancing thinking that all they have to do is sell that that craft to people who want to buy it. But what what is often missed is actually there's a whole heap of business knowledge that sits behind that, how to run a business, how to invoice, how to manage your finances, how to do marketing for yourself, which is much more difficult than for other people, it seems. Um, all of those things that go into running a business that's taken care of for, of for you when you're employed no longer is there. So you price yourself based on what you were getting paid as an employee, but you're not factoring in all that other work. So you really are massively undercharging. I mean, it, it sounds, obviously, you've got the, the classic freelancer dilemma there, right? Where you're, um, you're moving out of a job and then um, taking, taking sort of the work that you did there and, and you know, wanting to put it out in the world. But the problem is that in your job, there was a, there was a whole business structure that was taking care of everything that was the business side, right? Everything that was not you actually delivering that that value in your in your case, uh, the marketing work that you were doing, right? And suddenly, all that falls on your shoulders. You have to do the sales, the outreach to people. You have to, you know, to accounting, like literally everything else, like that, you know, that adds to that. So there's this, there's obviously this dream of freelancing, but um, but there's a there's the kind of like the dark side with that as well. Yeah. So you went from uh, let's see, 15, 14, 15 hour days to to 10-hour weeks, which is really darn close to that four-hour work week. I guess the big question is what changed? What happened? Yeah, I actually remember distinctly the night it all changed. It was, uh, there was a horrific storm outside. I was feeling... Ooh, sounds like a British horror story. (laughs) My life (laughs) at that moment felt like a British horror story. Um, Yeah, I was about about as low as I could possibly be. I was ready to give it all up. I'd actually spent the evening looking for jobs. Um, I had completed my, I refreshed my CV, my resume for our American friends. Um, And yeah, I'd given up. And then I was flicking through Facebook aimlessly, looking at all of my friends' wonderful, wonderful lives. I'm feeling very sorry for myself. Um, And then I came across this advert and it was from a, a lady, an agency owner out in New Zealand. And she had created a course to help people, as it turned out, just like me. She spoke directly to me in this advert. It was quite amazing using my own words and my own feelings. It was kind of spooky. Um, Like I I remember she actually said, um, I bet you've spent a few hours updating your resume recently, thinking you're going to have to go back into work. Well, that's not the case. We can still save this. And I just thought, wow, this girl really really gets me. It was quite amazing. So I ended up diving in. First of all, all her free content. Then I took her $250 course. And then she had a $10,000 course, which I definitely couldn't afford. But my sister and I, my sister was working with me by this point. My sister and I decided that some things are just worth investing in. And if you really believe that somebody has knowledge that, that you can use and implement uh, in your business, then if you can find a way to buy that knowledge and fast track yourself, that can be a really powerful thing. So we scraped together the money, pulled together all of our available credit lines, 
bought the course and yeah, haven't looked back. Um, we completed that course, completely pivoted. I think at that point, I would say we genuinely had an agency. We started hiring contractors. We started getting clients. You know, we were done with the 500 pound a month clients and we were looking only at $5,000 a month clients. <laughs> it was, it was a big change and it, it, yeah, had a huge impact. About 18 months ago, I realized I had the freedom to travel finally. So I joined Wi-Fi Tribe, as you know, and yeah, I headed to that first chapter in Brazil and I had quite an eye-opening moment where I met a girl, like wonderful girl who um, was freelancing and I realized it was like holding up a mirror to myself two years before. She was getting calls 10 o'clock at night and she would jump and take the call for an hour and then sit up till three o'clock in the morning getting the rush job done that they had asked of her. Like she would not say no to anything because every client was a lifeline. And I spent a bit of time in that chapter just kind of talking to her about some of the things I'd done and I could just see her eyes light up. And that's a pattern that's kind of repeated every chapter I've been on. I've met freelancers, agency owners who, when I get to talking to them, all want to know exactly how I've done what I've done. And, and you know, they, they're all in a very similar position to what, where I was. So, yeah, I decided that there was probably a way that I could do this and, and impact a few more people. So I started turning those organic conversations into a course and then you and I have teamed up, obviously, to turn that into an in-person retreat in Brazil this coming June, where we're going to hopefully teach 15, 20 freelancers, agency owners exactly how I've done it and show them how they can implement the same practices in their own business. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I, I think it's just interesting to, to know also, you know, back, back then when we met in Brazil, um, I think the the seed of of all of that might have started there. We were, we were just walking on the streets there, and um, and I remember that was sort of when I I started to to get introduced to basically your world and everything that you'd that you'd learned and built over the last um, over the last years. And obviously, I was just there like absorbing like a sponge. Um, and I remember just saying like you've you've uh, you know built these or, or managed to help all of these these course creators sell sell so much, right? Like this is your thing. You're, you're so incredibly successful at this. Um, have you ever considered creating a, a course yourself? And remember you saying back then, um, yeah, but I feel like I haven't found the thing that I genuinely like feel passionate enough about to be able to, to create a course on it and put it out there and really, you know, put, put my energy into it. Um, and that was two years ago, right? So it took another it took another what year and a half before, before you kind of like finally realize, okay, I think I finally found it, right? And that, that's just—it's so awesome to, to to be there basically from from start to to finish. So yeah, that's really cool. Um, well, how'd you how'd you do it? What uh, what changes did you make um, that kind of like turned it around for you? So there was a lot of things. I'm not gonna lie, a lot of hard work has gone into getting to this place. I really don't believe that anybody can. You know, the four hour work week dream is potentially achievable, but it's going to take a heck of a lot of graft. You have to be willing to invest to get that kind of payoff. However, um, I think if I strip it back to it, to the basics, there are probably three core pillars that I would say without these three things, it's absolutely impossible in almost any business to um, achieve those kind of results. So the three areas 
um, that I would say any business owner needs to look at is first up positioning and positioning is um, really it's about having a niche, right? It's getting really specific about who you serve and what problem you solve. Because when you do those two things, you position yourself in the mind of your client or your prospect as an expert, someone that they desperately need to work with to solve the problem they have. So positioning. The second thing is pricing. I think helping freelancers understand how to price themselves properly is a really big one. I literally in my agency, as I said, went from, you know, most of my retainers were in the 300 to 500 pound mark. And literally within a few months, just with learning some basic principles, we we changed to 5,000 to 10,000 pound uh, retainers. And um, that is retainers, like we were getting paid that every month. So understanding pricing strategy um, is super important. And then the final thing is processes. I am, uh, don't get me wrong, pro- creating processes in your business is is incredibly dull, but it is the most powerful thing you can do if you want a business that earns you more money and takes way less time to run. Once you've built out these you know, recipes for your business, it can work on autopilot. And it's absolutely the best thing I've done. I, With these processes, I'm able to delegate anything to a tool that a tool can do and outsource anything to um, a person that that person can easily do so, lo- so long as they've got the instructions on how to do it. So yeah, positioning, pricing, and process. Three key things every business owner has to has to get right. Top ones, yeah. And I mean, from a, from a, my perspective, I guess as a just as a as a fellow business owner, um, these are obviously things that just resonate with with me as well. I would, I'd probably say that it's not just it's really not just freelancers. I think that you can, you know, and any business owner is going to find um, this useful. And I think understanding each of these in in detail, I, I'd see it almost more as like, okay, this is this is really uh, business savvy. So yeah, what, what about maybe going into a little bit of detail on on the uh, just just you know maybe one or two of those? Um, that'd be great to hear. Yeah, sure. Um, I would say we should definitely start with positioning um, because positioning is the bedrock, the foundation of any successful business, in my opinion. Um, so what is positioning? It's basically how you present yourself to prospective clients. It's less about what you actually do and more about how you talk about what you do. And why is that so important? Well, if you want to start charging more money, you have to achieve two things. Number one, you have to be seen as an expert. And number two, you have to solve a bigger problem that that business owner has, a bigger problem than just a deliverable, a blog post or a web page. You have to solve a big problem. The only way to do those two things really well is by getting laser focused about who you serve and the problem you're going to solve. Those two things together, who you serve and what you do, equals a niche. So to position your business to attract premium clients, you have to niche down. In my opinion, it's it's non-negotiable. Um, and for me, niching down is about more than how much you can charge because the reason my business takes so little time to manage is because I've built out all those processes we discussed before. 
And that wouldn't be possible in a generalist agency. If you're working with multiple types of clients and offering a menu of services they can pick and choose from, it's absolutely impossible to have processes in your business. Processes rely on you having repeatable systems. So it's absolutely crucial. Niching down is the key that unlocks everything else. But let's get back to positioning for a, sec- for, for, for a second because I, I want to make sure it's really clear why it's so important. So the first thing I mentioned is it, it helps you be seen as an expert. And experts, by their nature, can charge more money. It's as simple as that, right? If your prospect believes that you can solve their problem better than anyone else, they will pay you more money because they're taking on less risk. But here's the thing, like when you talk about yourself as a web designer, a copywriter, a video producer or SEO consultant, you're not doing anything to to position yourself as an expert. You're not differentiating yourself at all from all the other web designers, copywriters and SEO experts out there. You're essentially commoditizing yourself. A commodity, the definition is essentially something that's indistinguishable from anything else in the market. And because there's no distinguishing features to what you're offering, it forces your prospect to make a choice based on the other things they can kind of measure, like how much you charge. But when you niche down, when you focus on one type of customer, you suddenly can become, let's say, the restaurant web design specialist or the SEO pro for veterinarians or the sales funnel copywriter for coaches, the video guy for corporate events. Imagine for a second that you're in one of those niches, that you own a restaurant or you run corporate events and you need somebody to provide that service for you. Which one do you think you'd be willing to pay for? Let's assume you want it done really, really well. Um, Do you think you'd be willing to pay more for the generalist, the video guy, or the specialist, the video guy for corporate events? So that expertise is, is really, really important because the specialist will always command a higher price. Okay, so let's talk about the, the second thing we touched on. It's a bit of a harder concept to wrap your head around, but basically you need to solve bigger problems. If business is simply solving problems, it's identifying a problem and somebody buying that solution from you. So it stands to reason that if you're solving small problems for business owners, you can charge small amounts of money. And if you're solving big problems for business owners, you can charge a lot of money. And what's the biggest problem that a business owner has? Well, it's making more money. Most business owners want to make more money. So the closer you can connect your service to their big problem that is making more money, the more you can charge. Look, the We have to face facts. No business owner really wants to pay a lot of money for a website. A website is a tool. It's an aspect of solving a problem, um, but it is not the solution in and of itself. Now, what they actually want is they want to convert more website visitors into customers. So if you can convince them that you can do that, well, then you've solved a big problem. And that's a problem they'd be willing to invest serious money in. And the same goes for, you know, copywriters. Nobody wants to buy a blog post. That's a tiny problem. What they want is they want to drive more traffic to their website or they want to convert more readers into subscribers. That's a bigger problem because ultimately that affects the bottom line. Business owners come to you asking for the deliverables because they believe it will solve the bigger problem they have, but 
There is no guarantee of that. And they're aware of that. There's still risk involved. So if you just meet them where they are and you just talk to them about the deliverable rather than pivoting the conversation to talk about the real problems they have, then they're going to have to factor in the fact that they could be wrong about the solution they've come up with. It's a risk. And they're going to mitigate some of that risk by getting you um, to charge as little as possible for that deliverable. It might seem really obvious to you that the deliverable can make them more money. So you might ask, like, why do I need to spell it out? But spelling it out, connecting the dots in their mind between the solution you provide and how it's going to make them more money is exactly how you differentiate yourself from every other provider out there. It shows you understand their business needs better than anyone else. So you're no longer just a website designer. You help restaurants fill more tables by building optimized online booking platforms. Um, You're not a virtual assistant. You help overworked CEOs free up 15 hours a week so they can focus on revenue generating activity. Business owners will invest in those sort of things because they can see immediately how it affects the bottom line. And if your service affects the bottom line, you can attach a price that is based on how much you move the needle. That is the result that they're going to get rather than basing your price on how much work it's going to take, which is just the inputs, I suppose. Right. Um, yeah, so I, th- I think the part that makes makes a lot of sense real quick is the the whole idea of being seen as an expert, right? Um, I mean, I wouldn't go to my local GP to have knee surgery or, or brain surgery done, right? That's where I'm, I'm going to seek out the expert who's who's going to get that that job done. And the person that I, I feel the most comfortable with uh, to do something so important, right? Um, I feel like that's maybe a good comparison just to get get uh, wrap our heads around that. The one that's maybe a little bit more challenging to, uh, yeah, to, to just really, really grasp is the idea of solving a, a real business problem, right? Um, because we've been, as freelancers, we've been trained to think about the things that we're working on as specific tasks that somebody else needs us to do, right? Um, instead of thinking about us as essentially being consultants and seeing, okay, how can I solve the thing that this person actually really cares about, even though this person is telling me that what they want me to do is something simple like this, you know, write this blog post or, or finish up this website, right? So from, from my perspective, um, if somebody came up to me and said, hey, look, I can get you 10% more um, applicants coming through, you know, high quality applicants um, by doing, you know, this, this, and this. That to me is super valuable because I understand um, exactly how it's going to look, how successful it is going to look if this person works with me. Um, whereas if a person just says, look, I can write a blog post for you and and maybe I can help you do something, that's not going to have the same kind of impact on me, right? Because I can find somebody anywhere who can write a blog post. Right. Right. And you're and you're a busy, you're a busy man. And I think this is this is you're an intelligent man, but you're also super busy. So that, that tiny detail about the way they position themselves when they come to you makes all the difference because it catches your attention. You immediately feel that sense of trust that you can quickly offload this um, problem to somebody and they are going to know how to take care of it rather than thinking that you need to have oversight and handhold that person to get them to your desired outcome. Um, so I think that's a, that's a really 
interesting sort of comparison from your own point of view as a busy but astute businessman, how much difference that makes in that tiny tweak to how somebody positions their service. So basically in, on, on the, the part of sort of like figuring out that that niche part, do you, do you mean that um, basically in order to charge more freelancers just have to completely change the service that they're offering? No, no, absolutely not. That's um, definitely sort of a misunderstanding of that. So I'll go back to the idea of positioning. What you essentially have to do is repackage what you already have. So let me give you an example. Um, when I was going back about two years ago, I'd already pivoted my business to be focused on Facebook ads. I was already doing that. And I'd gotten pretty good at Facebook ads. At the point that I made the biggest shift in my business was when I, I actually said, okay, I actually do Facebook ads for course creators. And by having that niche, what I was able to do was look really closely at that one customer and say, what is their big problem? What is the one impactful statement I could make to them that is going to make them sit up and take notice, that's going to make them think, wow, this, this person really gets me. So my positioning then became, I help build launch campaigns for online course creators that generate five times return on investment. That was my positioning statement. I hadn't changed what I did. I still did Facebook ads. I worked with course creators. But what I had done is I'd packaged it in this statement, which told them exactly how I was going to help ease their pain. So it's a really clear distinction between what you do, which stays the same, um, and what the way you're packaging it to help your client understand the value you're offering. So I'll give you a few other examples to make it sort of relevant for other industries. Let's say you are... Let's say you're a copywriter and what you could do on the one hand is list, you know, you, you write email sequences and you write blog posts and you all the things you can do as a copywriter. On the other hand, your positioning statement could be very specific, like I help tech publishers generate 25% more leads by creating powerful content that converts readers into subscribers. Okay, so what you've done there is you've taken some very specific things I help tech publishers, so that's the specific person you're speaking to, generate 25% more leads. So that is a tangible result you're going to deliver by converting readers into subscribers, which is a pain point that they have. Um, another example, let's think of a web designer. He, You could say, I help beauty brands generate 15% more online sales by optimizing their WooCommerce store. So again, you've done exactly the same thing. Beauty brands, specific customer. 15% more sales, specific problem. And then in this instance, talking specifically about WooCommerce, showing you're an expert in the platform that they use. Um, and this, this, honestly, you can do this with almost any industry. But the point I'm trying to make is these people don't change what they do. They don't stop being copywriters. They don't stop being web designers. They simply figure out how to communicate exactly how they can solve a big problem for a customer who's going to be willing to have that solved. And by doing that, connecting that dot, those dots, you're not narrowing down your pool. You're actually managing to connect much more clearly with a, a, a albeit a smaller pool, but you're connecting much more directly with everybody in that pool. I think that's a really important distinction. Mm, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's actually resonating a lot as well because it's it's something that uh, I think we we did similarly with with Wi-Fi Tribe. Um, especially in the in the first years when we were really thinking about this this kind of stuff, um, 
at the end of the day, when we when we started, well, that was four years ago. There were oh, within the first year, there must have been like easily a hundred companies that came in, right? So different organizations that wanted to um, jump jump onto this this lifestyle of uh, living and, and working at the same time and organizing that for for a group of uh, professionals, right? And you know, as a good startup, we would keep a, a going spreadsheet of all the companies that were coming in um, and and exiting as well. Uh, and at some point, we just realized this this is going at such a crazy pace. You know, we're t- you're, we're adding and, and and taking people off of that list so quickly that um, organization, sorry, um, that it just doesn't make sense to to keep the list anymore. So at some point, we stopped doing that. But the interesting part is that now four years later, you ha- you only have a, a small number really of organizations that have stayed. So there's probably about four or five of us. Now, it's just interesting to see that those companies are the ones that had their messaging right, right? So they they figured out, okay, we are this for these people, and we're not everything for everyone, right? So they, they really focused in on that stuff. And I would say that the five that are there now have a very specific audience that they're um, that they're looking for and, and very specific things that they want to deliver, right? So instead of in our case, for example, saying, okay, we you know we're we're a travel company for people who want to group travel and work at the same time, right? That's very generic. And that's basically what everybody was doing. Instead, we said, um, we we focus on community like nobody else, right? So we've got this, this intense application process. There's what each, each call that we do takes 45 minutes. And people used to tell us, well, that's absolutely nuts. How are you going to scale like this? It doesn't make any sense. You're, you guys are just going to work yourselves into the ground. But because we had that focus and we said, we are specifically this for these people, Right, people who are serious about about their work but want to explore the world world, and really really care about community. Those were then the people that that came to us, and in my opinion, that's why we're still here. Right, while you know ninety five percent or more of the of that market that existed at some point isn't. I couldn't agree more, and I, I think from my personal experience, I have been the customer in that experience. I have reached a, you know the point in my life where I'm like I, I'm going to travel. I'm probably going to use one of these organizations that um, help facilitate that. And I know the four or five companies you're talking about because I researched them all thoroughly. Um, And for me, there was only one that I decided to take any further than browsing the website. And it's because when I was on Wi-Fi Tribe's website, you very clearly position yourself as caring about the thing that I cared about the most. That is community. I didn't care about... Um, having a lot of bells and whistles built in to my experience and having like trips and tours organized or flights organized. I, that didn't, I didn't want those things, in fact. Um, but what I did want was to know that when I landed somewhere, that the group of people I was going to meet were going to be diverse, fascinating, interesting, curious people, but that all shared a certain value, a certain way of viewing the world, because that's always going to make for a better experience. And that was clearly delivered on your website, and that's why that's why I booked the interview call. So, in so many ways, I think um, niching down has helped you and the others that are still here in this space. So, yeah, a really good example, I think. But at the same time, I guess you know we have to appreciate why there is there's controversy with the with the whole idea of of niching down, right? Um, from from the perspective of someone who's starting off freelancing, in that moment, you know, you're you've got to do the whole business thing. Um, and you've got to find your own your own clients, do the sales, all that stuff. You're just struggling to find enough leads, right? Uh, and and at this point, you're literally saying, "Guys, I will do you know anything that I can do for you. How can I help you?" Right? So then, how is it going to make your life any easier 
if you suddenly say, oh, no, no, I'm just going to do this one thing um, for these specific, very specific type of businesses, isn't the freelancer going to feel like um, they're not going to get any any business? There's not going to be enough to go around. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's the most common objection I hear. And I hear it from almost everyone. It's always it's always a little bit of a battle to get to get somebody through this part because it feels so painful. Because when a freelancer is struggling in their business, they're coming from a place of lack, right? They're they're kind of always in panic mode. They're they're living in a sort of state of fear, you know, of of losing a client because losing one client is is the lifeline and they can't afford to. So yeah, it feels like it's bringing down the boundaries, but niching down is not about missing out. It's about standing out. I can tell you every single time I've seen somebody do it, it's been a success. I do not know somebody who has gone through the process of niching down and not made a success of it. Of course, there are things you need to understand about choosing a niche. You need to make sure the niche you pick is going to be profitable for you, that there is enough business in it, that there's enough margin in it, and all these things. Like, it's not as simple as just plucking your favorite thing out of thin air and it's going to be a success. But if you go through that process, then niching down is always, always going to set you head and shoulders above the pack, which is everybody else out there. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, so... I guess we've we've kind of like got an idea now of um, just of, of how we can charge more money uh, and and try to try to find you know those those clients that are willing to pay more. Um, what about working less? Right, that's mm. that's the other part of it, right? So if you're going to be bringing in a ton of you know huge clients, um, I guess the assumption we'd all have is that you're going to end up spending a lot more time working for them. Yeah, absolutely. So again, the thing I'll say about processes is it starts with positioning. Because most freelancers are delivering all sorts of services to all sorts of clients, they're operating from that place that I, I referred to as customized chaos. You have like customer customized client onboarding that takes weeks of emails back and forth, customized proposals that take half a day to write, um, and customized service delivery because every client is getting something slightly different. Um, it means you're stuck in learning mode, and learning mode is hands down the least profitable time for a business, as we talked about earlier. But what if you had like an instruction manual for your business? So literally a step-by-step guide for every single process that your business needs to run on. And this is why having a niche is so important. If you have one specific client and you solve one specific problem, you get to a point where you can anticipate their needs before they've even had them. Because you've been there and you've done it before and you've seen it happen. So you start to be able to create repeatable systems. You say, I know that works and I know that client's problem and I know the the problem is repeated across those clients so I can repeat the solution. And you know the dance so well that you can actually describe every step before it's happened. That is documenting your processes. Um, And, okay, I think what I want to try and do is try and bring one of this to life a little bit. So I'm going to take one of the processes in my business and kind of walk you through what it looks like for me. So client onboarding. Everybody hates it. Every freelancer agency hates it because you bring on a new client and you're all excited and then your heart kind of sinks because you know you've got a month's worth of laborious back and forth and email chains and um, trying to, you know, them losing interest and you're not hearing back for a week and um, losing assets and all that. I mean, it's a painful, painful process. 
Client onboarding in my agency takes my team less. I would say that the amount of time humans spend working on client onboarding is close to an hour, maybe an hour and a half tops. So it's condensed the process down significantly. So basically what happens is after the sales call, my um, business development manager goes into our CRM and he selects the type of proposal um, in the CRM that needs to be sent. We only have three types of proposal and they're all essentially the same, just they build on each other. So we have kind of a slimmed down version and then what I call like a medium sized version, then a large sized version. But the service that's offered in each of them doesn't change. There is just bolt-ons to certain ones. So that's important to understand. Um, so he's now selected the, the proposal that needs to go out. And then here's what happens. All of this without any human interaction. The client um, is sent the relevant proposal automatically. Nothing about it is customized other than name, which is updated automatically in my proposal software. The client electronically signs the contract and pays the first invoice. That is registered within my proposal software and my CRM automatically gets updated and it changes the status from lead to client. At that point, I have an automation which creates a Google folder um, and that's got a predefined list of um, subfolders that need to be created in, inside. That Google folder is for my client and it's shared with my client to be able to drop all of their assets into one central place. Client is then sent a welcome pack email, which includes, well, it sets all the expectations about working with us. It has the onboarding questionnaire. It has a link to that Google folder so they can deposit all of their assets. And it has a link to book their kickoff call. So that's now with them, right? They've got to fill all that out. And as I said, at this point, no human has had to get involved. When the client has filled out um, the questionnaire and they've booked the call, that is automatically scheduled onto my account manager's diary. Um, and then here is the point, the first time that anybody gets involved is the day of the kickoff call. So the account manager takes that call. They're about 45 minutes. And during the call, they take notes directly in my client's file in the project management system we use, um, which is a tool called Process Street. I love it. You really need to have a look at it if you're not using it. Um, and once they've taken all those notes inside Process Street, they click a button that says the call is complete and the notes are updated. And what happens then is a, pro a second process is automatically triggered, and that's the service delivery process. My implementation team, that is the copywriter, the ad specialist, and the marketing assistant, all then get a ping notification in their inbox, to, and the tasks are automatically distributed to them. They have access in a central place to all of the notes, the recording of the kickoff call, and the client's Google folder with the questionnaire and all of their assets inside, and the process of service delivery begins. Now, that was a lot to go through, <laughs> but I think it's really crucial to point out that that took one hour of somebody's time. And I promise you, like when I was doing that before, I think it, I, I'm, not, I'm not overestimating to say I think it was 15 to 18 hours work for me to do manually. So I think, I hope that's a really good way to illustrate the power of A, having a process and B, automating that process or outsourcing that process. For me, that is a completely hands-off experience. Um, yeah, uh, you've managed to, you know, turn something that obviously there's a bit of, of work time to, to get it set up. But then after that, if you were to extrapolate the hours that you would have spent doing the onboarding manually, 
you know, it's, it's nuts the, the amount of time that it saves you. So I am, I'm like a crazy, crazy fan of Zapier or Zapier, <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. It is. I know, you're, you're best friend. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. Um, I, I would literally say that Wi-Fi Drive would not exist. There, there's two, two things that allow us to exist in the beginning. It was um, Facebook ads, <laughs> um, believe it or not, and, uh, and Zapier. So I think if we were to run what we're currently doing without a tool like that, that allowed us to just automate um, all these different processes, you know, our team would probably have to be two, two times the size and it just wouldn't be viable, right? So it's, it's really interesting also think about the fact that there are businesses that exist nowadays because automation exists, right? There are literally businesses that would not be able to run if it weren't for this kind of automation that, that brings down the costs far enough so that they can actually, actually provide um, a service that's feasible, right? So I'll, I'll always look at the, I, I always see, you know, business as basically a machine, right? And I think that just to summarize what you're saying, I think that freelancers should um, think in, in the same way, like a, like a business owner, um, that they are, they're trying to essentially just build a machine, right? Um, and like you said, what's challenging from a freelancer's perspective is that you have, everything seems manual, right? Everything seems like, you're working with this client, totally different from that client, right? Totally different, different from that one, right? And, and so it's very difficult to think, well, where can I actually start turning any of this into a machine? But when you manage to create a machine, you you know you can consistently deliver high quality. You're actually building a business. That means that you can slowly take yourself out of the day to day things, right? And remember that your your expertise as a freelancer is you have done it before and you can do it again. Yeah. Right. So there's no reason why you can't turn that into something closer to a machine. Right. What you're trying to do is you're trying to replicate it. Absolutely. It really isn't about dumbing down your offer. I think that's where a lot of, you know, when you say, oh, I've got a business that I run in 10 hours a week and I've automated everything like the the mistake that people can make is that I've somehow dumbed down my offer and I've, you know, made a made a product that anybody can buy cheap, you know, and, and that's not the case. Like. My, I charge a lot for the service we do. And I charge a lot because I know it delivers results. And I, you know, I have hardly any, any um, client turnover because it delivers results. I have 35 contractors because of that automation. And I think that's kind of the point you were making, right? The automation has enabled us to have far more scalable businesses, things that we would never have been able to achieve. I couldn't manage 35 people on my own. If I, if I didn't have this automation and all that kind of support, I would need six managers to manage 35 contractors easily. Um, but I don't need that because everything is documented, automated, and managed with these incredible tools that we have available to us. I was going to add, it doesn't, take any, um, it doesn't take any other passion out of the business. I think it's actually the contrary, right? Every time that you set up automations like that, um, the, the type of tasks that you can automate are the ones that you're doing repeatedly, right? Either every single day, every, every week, you know, several times a month. Those are the tasks that, that an automation can help you with. And actually what it ends up doing is if you can hand that over to a robot, why not, right? That means that you're going to have more time to work on the things that you actually enjoy uh, working on, right? Yeah. And there's a really important point of clarification there. So let's take service delivery because it's the one that people struggle to get their heads around the most. You know, in my business, I have six core processes which involve lead management, client onboarding, payment processing, hiring new staff and employee onboarding 
And then the one that really catches people is service delivery. How can you possibly have a process for delivering your service? Well, the important thing to understand is the process isn't prescriptive down to the creative elements. So whilst my team will have instructions for, right, so the copywriter now needs to come in and, and do their job, their job is still creative. You know, for my clients, the, the ad copy that gets written um, or the blog post or the sales pages or whatever it is, they are all unique. But the process the copywriter goes through, the research process, the um, messaging process, all of those things, that's standardized. They know exactly what that that looks like uh, because we have a recipe for making those things successful. So that copywriter has come to my business with a skill, a flair with what for words, and then they just have to follow my process to know exactly how I want them to use that skill to their to the best advantage of our clients. So it must not be mistaken with the creativity being taken out of your business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can we can go on for for hours about this, and there's probably tons more to cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe if you could just leave us with some uh, the maybe some some of your last bits of actionable advice, um, the most you know the most important things that we need to think about, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if if you're asking me to sum up all of the things that we've talked about here, then I would go back to the three things that I listed at the top, the three things that can make the most impact in your business today. Um, And that is positioning, thinking about who you serve and the problem that you solve. Because when you do that, you become an expert. And it's only when you're an expert that you can charge more money. Um, And the second element being pricing, thinking about not attaching your price so much to the time it takes you to create something, but rather attaching your price to the value of the service you offer. Um, And that will always mean you can charge more money as long as you're solving a real problem for that business owner. And the final thing that we touched on is the power of processes. When you've done all those other steps, once you've got your positioning right, once um, once you're charging enough money to give yourself a bit more freedom in your business, you can start creating processes out of all of those different elements in your business. And it's when you start documenting your processes that you can automate delegate, outsource, whatever you want to call it. And that is when you can actually start stepping away from the implementation, take a breather and actually enjoy running your business, working on it rather than working in it. So yeah, that's my uh, my three-step recipe to having a business where I guess you can earn more and work less and just enjoy a bit more freedom. That sounds amazing. Thank you very much for that summary. Yeah. So maybe just to wrap up um, today's uh, podcast as well, you did mention briefly at the beginning that you that we're going to be setting up a an incubator where, you know, for the first it's actually super exciting also from from our side at, at Wi-Fi Trip because it's the first time that we're ever um, doing a, you know, a, a totally different type of trip, different type of experience um, where the focus is on helping people um, grow, right? Helping people in this case move from from freelancers to agency owners, basically covering all the stuff that we that we talked about today, um, and actually sort of applying it hands on. Um, yeah. So, what else will we will we be covering in that in that incubator? It'd be great to hear it from uh, from you. Alexis is actually going to be there, and that's that's always the most exciting part. Um, so, yeah, 
love to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I am so excited about this. So obviously we've tried to cram as much as we can into an hour or however long this has actually <laughs> turned out to be. Um, but we have barely touched the surface. So, you know, you're probably left with a lot of questions still. So we will go into everything um, way deeper. It's actually going to be an eight-week course. We're going to do four weeks remotely. Um, and I think we're running that sort of April, May time. And then, and that's just to get the groundings. That's to do all the work on the positioning and finding your niche and all that stuff. So how to identify that profitable niche, how how to price your service, how to un, how to un, get your head around all that stuff, the foundation stuff. And then we're doing four weeks out in Brazil, which mm. I'm so excited <laughs> about. Um, and that is going to be where you know everybody's going to come and join us out in Brazil then with all that foundation stuff done. And that is when we're going to start taking action. So we're actually going to work on building automated lead generation um, systems. So something that systems that attract leads, nurture them, qualify them and get them booked on your diary whilst you're sleeping. Um, we're going to talk about all the different processes you can have in your business. And most excitingly, the, the big thing that I've been working on is actually putting together templates for everybody that comes to the incubator. So you won't just be left on your own to like figure out how to write all your own processes. You're going to be given templates for all of those key processes that that client onboarding one I just went through, um, you know, payment processes, hiring employees, you know, all that stuff. So yeah, we're, I guess I'm just hoping to give people like a business in a box. Really. I want them to walk away after that eight weeks just feeling a huge weight off their shoulder. Probably, you know, we're still with a bit of work to do, I'm not <laughs> going to lie. But that that sense of foreboding, you know, that dread that I described back at the beginning when when you're struggling in your freelance business, like I, I kind of want to, my goal is to replace that with a sense of optimism about what the future looks like and what, what business can look like going forward. Um, and I know that you're going to be there as well to do all your amazing, like I've talked a lot about automations, but Diego for the listeners is the automation king. Um, I know nothing when it comes to him. So when compared to him, so he's going to be, um, really showing off his Zapier skills, which is going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to call in Carol as well, huh? So (laughs) to show us some of the stuff that he does. So so yeah, together we've been building a a few of these and, um, I've just, I'd, I'd love to show you guys then on, on site, uh, some of the examples. There's, there's some absolutely incredible ways to, um, yeah, just to automate these things. So, um, that'll be part of it for sure. Definitely excited about that part too. But I think, you know, if, if you just sort of like take a step back, um, at the end of the day, what it's all about is what, what happens after, right? What, what is it? How does your, how does life, I guess, change after, after you're able to, to change the way that you run your, your freelance uh, business and turn that into an, into an actual agency? Um, and how you can basically design more freedom into uh, into your life that way, right? That's literally how this whole thing started in, in the first place. So yeah, we'll, we'll drop the link to the uh, incubator in the show notes as well. So if you want to find out more, you can always find that there. But yeah, let me just, uh, I guess, wrap up by saying, Alexis, thank you so, so much for finally getting on a podcast with us. Uh, this was very overdue. And thanks for sharing all of that stuff that you've, uh, yeah, learned and um, and adapted to your own business over the last years. I think we're all going to go away, hopefully take, have taken some notes and see if there's any of this that we can already start implementing. So yeah, thank you. Amazing. And yeah, I will just extend an invite because I, I know the most the most impactful mentors I had in my life were the ones that were 
really available to me. So if anybody out there listening to this, like if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn or um, any other channel, like feel free, you can find me, um, Alexis Humphrey on LinkedIn. So go over there, connect with me, shoot me a message. I'm always happy to chat, answer any questions. Um, Yeah, I, I really hope I get to meet a bunch of you. Awesome. Does that apply for me too? I'll uh, I'll be sending you a message on LinkedIn. No, <laughs> no, Diego, I've told you, not LinkedIn. It's a private space okay. for me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Alexis. And um, yeah, see you soon. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. All right. Ready?